Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of Fintech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Diliana Valcheva, and she is the strategy finance expert for Finality International. Finality's goal is to create a regulated network of distributed financial market infrastructures to support global exchange of value transactions. Finality was born out of the need to transform clearing and the settlement process, enabling delivery versus payment in tokenized securities markets and in the secured funding market, enabling instant settlement on payment versus payment basis. Now, Diliana has worked for the likes of EY, NICE Euronext and KPMG, and she's here today to tell her story and share some of the learns along the way. She is one of the first female hirers of Finality, a DNI champion as well, as one of the founders of the ESG Environment, Social and Government Community of Practice within Finality. So there is going to be loads for us to talk about, and I'm really excited for her to be here today. So Diliana, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you for the great introduction and also for that exciting opportunity for us to record the podcast together. I'm really excited and looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So I cannot wait. And um, I think what would be a really wonderful start if you could tell us a bit more about what your role actually entails at Finality. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit about Finality, first of all, so we can understand the whole role and how we work. So Finality operates as a flat hierarchy. So we've also adopted the agile methodology. What that means, it means that we have no department, but we are organized by skills and specialty knowledge. So I'm part of something called a finance strategy and quant guild, which means that if someone needs finance strategy or quant subject matter expert, they will come to the guild and ask for one of the uh, guild members to join. So it's almost like similar to being an advisor. We work in multi-skilled teams with colleagues from different guilds. So in addition to me being part of a guild, I'm part of the multi-skilled team where I have around six or seven colleagues from different guilds. And that allows me to get involved in different topics that might be outside my subject area and just develop my areas of knowledge and expertise. Usually my work will cover everything from legal to commercial to finance. It all depends obviously on company needs, what me as a person would like to de develop and learn. 
So a very good example is obviously how we started the ESG communities of practice. It started with two of my female colleagues. Uh, we just got together, got excited, had a little talk with our colleagues in front of the whole company. And from there, the community has been expanding much more. So as long as you're passionate about some, something, you're proactive, you'll succeed, at least with, within finality. So I love to hear that story that, you know, you've just, you decided that you wanted to make a change happen and look how you've made that change happen. I think it's so important that we share these stories about our community, that there isn't the red tape of this big corporate that stops you from making change happen and educating everyone, everybody around you. So that's so exciting to hear and takes me on to my next question. So I know that Finality do a lot to innovate the payments industry. It would be good to hear a bit more about that. Absolutely. So just to set the scenes, I will not go into too much technical details and I'll simplify the pictures, but in case if someone would like to go into a bit more tech details or understand about us a little bit more in details, they can definitely go to the website, which is finality.org. And there is a lot of insight papers and blog posts that talks about the wholesale payment industry as well as us. So finality uh, focuses only on the wholesale payment market. I think that's very important to keep in mind while we're talking about how we're innovating in the payment industry. And let me start by setting what is the current problem and how finality emerged. So in the old times when obviously none of us was born, there was a seller and a buyer that were interacting directly with each other, exchanging goods and funds, and there was no one in the middle. So you come today between that seller and that buyer, there might be multiple intermediaries on each side. And why is that is a problem is because it adds additional time for discharging any obligations or payments. Usually it's a couple of days. And let's say if you're Ford or another company, you might be waiting for the buyer to send you the funds and you might need that funds to pay someone else. So it becomes this on-chain transactions that everyone is dependent on each other. In addition, by having multiple intermediaries into transactions that adds layer of complexity and inefficiencies. So adding that complexity contributes towards more risk due to time it takes, obviously, as I've mentioned, and also you're facing the risk of that counterparties. And obviously there is always a chance that that counterparty may get bust because it's a commercial entity. That means also more people, whether it's a bank or another institution, more people involved in checking different transactions. So you're prone to human errors. And last but not least, if you remember now, uh, there is a lot of regulations in the market that may require you to hold additional capital. And also there is high disparity of tech development in the financial and payment industry. So certain areas in the payment industry is really developed compared to others. And that development is usually in the front end, which is the trading, whereas areas such as settlement and payment, especially for the wholesale world, is lacking behind, which creates that breakage between the two sides. So what Finality offers, let's go to the fun part and solve the problem is, we have 15 major institutions who are also our shareholders. And together with them, and with, together also with our partners, we are creating a direct institution to institution 
wholesale payment ecosystem that offers real-time cross-border payments, which means we're removing those intermediaries between the different institutions that I've mentioned earlier that sits between the buyer and the seller. We're doing that by using innovative technology, which is fully integrated blockchain, which means that is distributed, resilient, and removes the point of failure. And to make it even better, the funds are held in a central bank account, which removes the risk that I mentioned earlier of facing a commercial entity that may go bust. If a central bank goes bust, we have bigger problem to worry. And our approach can address a lot of the current issues that I explained a bit earlier, meaning that we're going to reduce risk, uh, removing intermediaries, simplify the process, improve inefficiencies as well, and potentially unlock millions from all of that. So that's like solving the current problem, but what about the future problems? There is a future problem, which is a lot of entities are also trying to offer a digital asset, but they're lacking a high quality payment leg, which has a central bank money-like characteristics, which what finality is offering. So those digital assets are still a little bit niche. And if that kind of high quality payment leg exists, they will become much more widely adopted. So the solution that we're also offering is forward looking and forward facing. So hopefully I've explained in a very, very high level what we're offering, but I will urge anyone that would like to learn a little bit more, just go on the website, get in touch mm. with us. It's uh, so fascinating to hear how you've explained that. Like, I love hearing about the past. Like, it's not just about what are the problems that we face today. It's where did the problems come from and how are we solving them? And then what about the forward thinking of it? And it's really, really interesting to hear that because, you know, for, for me, I love hearing the story of it. And I know that our audience as well, they love to know like your personal story, like how have you become so knowledgeable within this space and driving this forward? Like, it's really great to hear. So my next question is more about you, your career journey, some of the lessons along the way, and what's got you to finality? Yeah, like I have really interesting career journey because <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day. Basically, I started as a graduate with nice Euronex, which is Back then was the European arm of New York Stock Exchange in London. So I joined as a graduate and then I joined a director to help him build a multilateral trading facilities for contracts for differences. I know it's a little bit mouthful, but it, that was a different direction that the stock exchange went. And I was really glad that I was the first person to join that director. However, the project didn't receive a lot of buy-in from the new management because we had some changes within the management and it got stopped. So I moved to another division, which was called Fixed Income Derivatives Department, where I was looking on how to incentivize more trading in certain contracts. So you can see even within one company, I got totally different experiences. And then obviously uh, NICE merged with ICE, which is another big exchange. And they made a lot of people redundant, which I thought, okay, great opportunity to, for another career switch. Why not? And I went to EY, where I was the first hirer of a new division, which was focusing on corporate finance strategy, uh, meaning I was going to do commercial due diligence and strategy work. Again, very different from my first experience when I was in the stock exchange. So I helped them grow the division for maybe three years and a bit. And then I decided it's time for my new experience. 
So then I joined the utility settlement uh, project, which back then was the project name for finality. That was more than four years ago, probably. So I worked on the utility settlement project. We turned it to be a finality and now it's a real company with a 55 million fundraise for series a and i was glad to be one of the first hires as well within that project so why i'm telling you all that about my career journey is because the lessons i've learned was the first lesson is actually take risk in your career don't be afraid to take risk and don't be afraid to be the first one whether in a company or a new department because throughout my roles, although some of them were not that successful, I've learned a lot from the people I worked or also I learned a lot from the failure. And it was always excited to join a new project and be the first one to try and solve a problem. Another lesson that I've learned was don't follow your friends and their dreams. And I did that a lot when I was a graduate. Everyone from university wanted to go into banking, including myself. And then I realized, well, hold on, there is a wider world. And I started experimenting and I found out that I love working for new projects in new startups. So I changed, totally changed my career plan. And last but not least is don't be married to your career plan. Obviously I wanted to work for banks and then I threw out that in the bin and decided to be a bit more opportunistic and experimental and take every opportunity that comes my way and have fun with it. I love all of that. I think those lessons are amazing and really unique. Like don't follow your friends and their dreams. I I think that's so important that you build your own, but also what you said there about don't be married to the career plan because sometimes people are just stuck and fixed in their mind. I must follow this path when these wonderful opportunities are are, are passing them by over here and they, they don't give themselves that chance. And again, uh, anyone who knows me, I I think that whenever anybody talks about taking risks and learning from failures, for me, this is the best way of growing as an individual and growing your career. And I really love that you've shared such a personal experience of every time something changed, you grabbed onto the next opportunity and you saw it as a positive. And I think that's wonderful. Now, when we think about what attracted you to finality, you're very proud of the culture of finality and I really want people to learn about this and in a way like I want us to know more about what it's like in the fintech sector but what actually it's like within the culture of finality because it's so unique yeah so finality was established in 2019 so it's a fairly young company although as a project was much older as a company were younger which I think It was a great opportunity to build a culture that we all desired and we were all passionate about. So when we talk about finality employees or even shareholders, we come from a very diverse background. So even our shareholders are in five different jurisdictions. They come from different backgrounds. And it's very similar situation with my colleagues. We're like very international colleagues. We are very different minded as well. So in general, in finality, we aspire for open and honest culture. What I mean is because we work in teams with different colleagues, we have bi-weekly retrospectives. A retrospective for us is basically the team will come together and reflect on our two-week journey, what we did well, what we can improve, and what actions we can take to improve for the next two weeks. 
So when you leave from the meeting, you leave with a positive attitude thinking like things can improve together. Any challenge can be tackled as a team together because we treat each other with respect. We treat each other like adults and we collaborate as well, trying to solve problems together. So this is one of the things that always attracted me, the collaboration piece. And also the good part is when you work as a team, you fail together. Not only you celebrate together, but when you fail, you fail together and there is no pointing fingers. Obviously, being in a company like that, which is like really open, that encourages people to share knowledge and that encourages everyone to get involved in areas that they're passionate, as long as obviously they're in line with the company value. But you always have to find that balance of how much you want to get involved somewhere, how much you need to learn and how much you need to deliver. But on the positive side, you gain a lot of knowledge. That's really, really helpful to hear. And I love this, this concept of a two-week review of what's been happening and that you, you come together, you think about the challenges, you think about what you can do next. I think a lot of people at the moment across the whole of the fintech industry, is, uh, we're talking about building psychological safety within a business. And this is a really key way of how you do that to make sure that people feel they can contribute and they can get better. And what you said about failing together as well as celebrating together is so important. And, and that takes me on to the next question where I know you believe that with a better DNI balance, we get a better diversity, we get true inspiration, we get innovation. There's been lots of plans at Finality for this and there's been lots that you've been doing about it. It'd be great to hear about that too. Absolutely. So I've, as I've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, our true journey started last year when myself and two of my female colleagues, we established the Environment, Social and Governance, so ESG Communities of Practice. Uh, the two of us got together, we took the initiative to do a gap analysis on how finality is doing against various ESG frameworks that are out there. And obviously, under the social and governance part of ESG comes diversity and inclusion. That work that we undertook last year was presented in front of the whole company during a virtual gathering. And as expected, everyone was really uh, supportive and enthusiastic about the identified gaps. So following that and following the work that we did, we established the community where people that were interested just joined the community and we have regular meetings. So far, we have identified short-term and quick wins, as well as mid- and long-term actions that can be achieved. Currently, obviously, we're focusing on the short-term wins because that's the, the quickest thing that you can deliver before you can obviously move to the mid- and long-term. So here is examples of some area of improvement that we need to obviously address. One of them is DNI overall in finality. We obviously aim and strive for diversity of nations, social bringing race, and of course, gender. But as you can imagine, you can always do better, especially in the gender diversity and balance, balance especially in certain guilds, as you can imagine. In certain guilds, we're much stronger than the others, and that was flagged, and everyone is on board to improve the balance in there. In addition, also, we decided to dedicate a whole month to raise awareness of LGBT, their rights. We encourage colleagues to speak about the experience of finality if they felt obviously comfortable to bring their true self to work. We shared blogs and as well as organized different events internally. In addition, we have other 
steps that we ad identify. So we want to create more overall link together ESG strategy and policies that will be part of our next business plan. It's great to do, you know, events and education, but we believe you need to have an overall strategy. So therefore we'll create an overall strategy, have policies, we'll continue our improvement in our gender diversity and balance as well. And something that I really enjoyed is also we started educating ourselves internally a little bit more on DNI and the various aspects obviously that DNI can cover. So an example is in our, one of our meetings, a colleague gave a fantastic talk on neurodiversity and how it can benefit certain jobs, especially in the tech, which I was totally unaware, obviously. Speaking from a um, woman's perspective, I think that it's easy for finality to attract and retain women due to our culture that I explained and also our mentality. And why is that? It's because we allow flexible working hours. Obviously, you can work from abroad. There is great maternity leave. We're removed first. So it means that you can work anywhere from England as well. And every voice is equal and counts as well as great diversity of backgrounds um, and people joining from different career journeys. Why I'm mentioning that is because while I was in finality for those years, I saw that everyone is given an opportunity to shine and everyone gets the chance to be proactive and be passionate and grow in the career. And I'll give you a couple of examples of really inspirational women in finality that I really admire for their skills and their actions that they've taken. So we have an, a colleague of mine called Fran. She came from NHS admin role and she was with us for several years. And now she's actually part of the People and Talent Guild. Another example is a, another colleague called Julia. She joined initially again uh, to fill the gap as a PA. She showed incredible talents and currently it's part of the commercial guild. So she's means that she's facing shareholders and building great relationships and connections with them while also influencing our branding and marketing strategy. And a third example, it's another lady called Tam. She started in people and talent and now she's actually a product owner who runs a team and is like a fantastic product owner and she's driving the strategic directions of one of our products. So I think those are like great inspirational women within the company. And despite all that, we can always do better when it comes to gender equality and it's a journey, but any movement towards improvement is a great one. So I'm really appreciative. I think that's fantastic, um, everything that you've just said there. I really love what you said about the neurodiversity because I think everybody needs to recognize the importance of education and that sort of click moment of, of learning something new. But the way that you've just been able to showcase, you know, three of the women within the business where these are real examples of real career progression where, you know, I introduced this podcast. I always say we're here today to walk the talk for change. And it's so important that even though a podcast is only, you know, it's talking, isn't it? But I love to hear the examples and I'm super inspired to hear those ones that, that you have said. And I think it's brilliant that you shared them. My last question now is around your call to action with regards to what more we should be doing for workplace inclusion across the entire industry? Yeah, that's a really great question. So for me, DNI, and hopefully in the future, is not just a number in a report or bragging rights that you have because you've hit your quota. It is to be appreciated for the innovation and creativity it brings 
and that can bring to a company. So ESG and DNI are very long-term gains, but it can bring a lot of benefits. So to do that, I think that we need to tackle the problem bottom-up and top-down. So by bottom-up, I mean fresh supply of skills coming out of schools and uni. So it's a long-term, but let's inspire that the younger generation of women to believe that they can achieve anything that comes from early age, that comes from the school years. Let's excite them about variety of subjects that they think that they might not be equipped, but they may be or they want and they have the desire to develop the, the skills in there. And let's attract them to study those subjects that are currently dominated by males at university. For example, I can think from my perspective when I was, when I was at university, because I studied financial engineering, the women were not that much, I can tell you for sure. So let's inspire the people and the women to go and study those subjects that are like a bit more male dominated. So there is a fr fresh female supply of skills coming out of university. And top down, for me, it's much more on a company level and demand. If you as a company believe that there is not enough supply of women for certain roles, think what you can do about it. For example, can you retrain some of the women in your company that may be interested in subjects that you feel there is a gap in your company? So again, that's a little bit long term, but if you're a true believer, invest the time and the effort. Also at the company level, can you create communities of practice where anyone can join, listen, and later maybe participate tackling questions related to that subject and related to that communities of practice? So an example is the commercial communities of practice within finality. I discovered that I really enjoy a shareholder and stakeholder management. So I'm about to start joining that communities of practice to learn a little bit more on the client facing and hopefully start helping and tackling questions on that side that finality may have. Another one, for example, is what we can do at the company level is support women or actually anyone that wants to go back to study and provide them with the right environment to study, such as maybe offering days off for exam and study leave, flexible hours to study. So basically companies can do so much more and I promise that's the last example and call to actions. It's companies should give chance to less experienced younger women to prove that they can do their future job while mentoring them and helping them grow within their future desired career. So let's identify that young talent and think long-term what we as a company can do to help them flourish. But most importantly, Think, why do you want those women and that diversity in your company? What skills and benefits they can bring? For me, ideas and solutions will flow easier when there is a diverse group of minds that can challenge each other, provide different perspective, as well as collaborate together. Well, I think that is wonderful. And no, I really, really enjoyed you giving us all those examples. I love examples. I love calls to action. And I back everything that you've just said there. Because as I said earlier, I always introduce the podcast as we're here today to walk the talk. And you have truly done that. You've given us example upon example that everybody can contribute and everybody can drive change no matter who they are within a business. And I think it's incredibly important that we've spoken so much about 
who you are and who Finality is and how you've created this wonderful environment that allows for all these steps forward. And it's just brilliant to hear it. So thank you so much for joining me on the Women of Fintech podcast series. It's been brilliant to get to know you. Thank you, Nada. It's been fantastic and fun experience. Yeah.